everybody. Uh, yes, Mark and George and I are sharing today's message between us, and we're talking this morning about belonging to our neighborhood as part of a series uh, called Belong, as you can see over there. Now, I'd like to open up with the subject of belonging to a particular place at a particular time. I used to work uh, in an IT company as a project manager. Uh, and when I was working on the British Petroleum account at their head offices in Hemel Hempstead near London, I remember one of the BP managers that I reported to was called Andrew. Uh, and Andrew was from Yorkshire. Andrew made a comment to me one day which I found quite interesting. Uh, in relation to him being from Yorkshire and me from being from the South. And he said this to me. He said, isn't it odd that we are born who we are and where we are and at the time we are? It all seems like a bit of a lottery to me. Now, he laughed it off and moved on. But I remember being struck by the depth of what he said and that without the idea of God creating us and determining who we are and where we should be, then life would indeed very much seem just like a bit of a lottery or the result of some random chances. Now, I recall being quite very relieved, actually, not quite relieved. I was very relieved by what it says about this exact matter in Acts chapter 17. Have you ever read something in the Bible and then thought, oh, great, that settles that issue? Has that ever happened to you? You've come across something and you thought, Oh, good. I understand where, I, where I'm at now. Well, this was one of those moments for me. The Apostle Paul is having a debate with some philosophers in the Greek city of Athens. Uh, and these guys were probably a bit like Andrew. They were interested in throwing out deep questions that perhaps had no apparent answer. And Paul jumps right in there and he sees an opportunity to explain who God is to them and what that means for people everywhere. People including you and I today. This is what it says in Acts chapter 17, uh, going from verse 24. He said, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. Yeah. We sang that this morning, didn't we? From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. So Paul makes it clear that it is God himself who gives us life. It is God himself who ordains who we are, and that it is God himself who meets all our needs. Now, more than that, and this is the bit that we all need to hear and receive for ourselves today, it is also God who has decided when people are to be born, when, are they, when they are to die, and their boundaries, i.e. when and where they are going to live. In other words, we can trust by faith that we are who we are meant to be because God set it that way. And that he meant for us to be in a specific place at a specific time in history. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that kind of relieving because it means that chance and lottery have nothing to do with my existence whatsoever. Your time, your life, and where you live is all a part of God's overall plan. It absolutely is. Knowing this takes away a lot of pointless wondering and questioning that doesn't really lead anywhere fruitful. 
there is a deeper meaning in who you are and when and where you live, even if you've not quite found that out yet. But knowing this is not just about taking away pointless wondering. There's a lot more to it than that. Knowing that God has put us in a particular place at a particular time must also mean that we have an assignment or several assignments from him to track down, to discover, to work out, and then to go off and fulfill. And that those things are specifically relevant to our time and our place. Now, each of us, that means that each of us at BCC has things that God is calling us to do that are relevant to our time right now and to where we're living. I think those things range from the very specific and very immediate to the much more long range. Um, Simeon and Anna uh, from Luke chapter 2, they, they strike me as two people in the Bible who combine that sense of the immediate in the time and place and in the now with the very much the long range. They've both served God and lived faithful lives for a long time where they were. And that's the long range bit. But then they were also so open to the Spirit that on a particular day, they could sense the Spirit's prompting to go to the temple to meet the baby Jesus. And that's very specific and very immediate in terms of time and place and assignment. Now, I'd like to be the kind of Christian who is responsive in both ways to the times and the places that God gives me assignments to fulfill. Now, we'll be exploring more about the idea of belonging in a particular time, in a particular place, of belonging to our neighborhoods, and what that means and the kind of impacts that we can have on those around us from both George and also from Mark shortly. But just as I finish this brief kind of introduction, let me just give you one example from my own history to illustrate what I mean by being given an assignment from God for a particular time and a particular place. Uh, Back in 2003, I felt that it was time for me to move on from that account at BP. I explored taking up a position at the Rolls-Royce account in Derby, still working in IT, still with the same company, but with a different customer and a completely different location. We prepared to move ourselves there. We uh, even explored Elim churches in the area, and we even went as far as putting in an offer on a house in that location. We said that we would put our house where we were uh, up for sale, but that if nothing came up within four months, we would stay put and interpret that as God's wish for us to stay exactly where we were. Now, halfway through this time, three quite amazing things happened. The first was that I happened to read a book by uh, a pastor called Rick Warren, uh, and the book was called The Purpose Driven Life. Anybody here ever come across that book? It's a very, very good book. I highly recommend that you read that if you haven't yet. As I was reading it, I felt a strong sense of needing to quit the world of IT altogether and become a pastor, which, to be honest, right at that point seemed like a rather insane idea to me especially because we were right in the middle of trying to reorganize everything so I could move to another role in the same company, still staying in IT. But I remember running in from the back garden. I'd been reading this book over the summer in the back garden, and I kind of ran in and told Chloe excitedly that I thought that God was saying I should become a pastor. Now, she wasn't quite as excited or as convinced as I was right at that moment, but she kind of wisely said, you know what, if you feel that way in the next few months, then we'll consider that. So that was the first thing that happened. 
the second thing that happened was that we, when we were visiting uh, the new area where we thought we were going to live, we went to an Elam church in Beeston in Nottingham as part of checking out churches in that area. And a pastor there called Mike Williams uh, happened to preach a really great message the one time that we were there. Uh, and I remember the message to this day. It was called, Give It a Go for God. Give it a go for God. And looking back, I can see that that was a nudge to me. You need to go in the direction God's calling you. You need to do what God's asking you to do. The third thing that happened to us during that season was that only one person came forward to make an offer on our house that whole duration of four months. The offer they made was way below the market rate, and they also wanted us to make some major structural changes as part of the sale before they would even buy the house from us. And so we kind of felt that that wasn't viable at all. And so having put our house in the market and pushed that door open to see if that was the right way forward, it seemed as though it was remaining firmly shut. And by contrast, other points in our history, Chloe and I have put our house on the market. Uh, one time when we moved to, when I, take, when I took up my first pastorate, our house was on the market and sold and completed within four weeks. Just to give you an idea of some somehow God will shut something and make it really plain that that's not the direction he wants you to go in or the place that he wants you to be or the assignment that he wants you to be fulfilling. At this time, I spoke to Pastor Mark. He was also my pastor back then, in, back in that location, about the idea of, becoming, of me becoming a pastor. And he said I needed to go to Bible college and retrain. And so after this time came and went of our plan to sell our house that didn't work out, we took it as confirmation from God that we should stay put in that place for that time. Uh, and instead of trying to move to Derby and work at Rolls-Royce on the account there, that I should instead apply to Bible college. And that is what happened. I applied to Bible College and I actually got offered a place there. And so in 2005, that's where we moved and that's what I did. I'm just going to ask the drama team just to come and take up their positions because they're going to come and share uh, about how being in a particular place at a particular time, uh, we have the power to impact what's going on around us in a really powerful way. And you'll see that in just a moment. But I just wanted to share my story because I believe strongly that that was a time in my life where God had an assignment for me and it was an assignment for me to fulfill at a particular place at Bible College and for a particular period of time in order that I would serve him. And he had that assignment for me because God had a plan for me. So just as uh, the drama team uh, are getting ready to, to show us their, uh, their sketch, I just want to close with that, uh, that verse from Acts chapter 17 um, verse 26. Just to, and I'm just going to ask, in fact, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to really settle that in your spirit. If you're someone that wonders about where you are and why you're in a particular place at a particular time. Listen to this again. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided, that's God decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. George, George, come here quickly. Come in, darling. Yes. Look, we've got some new neighbours. Oh, let me have a look. Not so quickly. Just peek, they'll see us. Sorry. Oh, very interesting looking. They're definitely not from around here. Yes, they definitely look different. Probably foreign. <laughs> Probably from Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is definitely a solid wood oak wardrobe. Do you know how I know? 
How? You see the weight of it. You see how they're straining under the weight of it, their veins popping out their neck? <laughs> That's how you can definitely tell it's a solid wood oak wardrobe. Well, it's okay, but not like ours. Now, that's quality. Yeah, of course, Don, of course. Um, do you think we should go and help? Help what? Help them move houses. Why would you do that? Because, George, just think how fantastic we'll look in front of all our neighbours. Plus, we should get there before that Miss Potter does. It's a good idea, darling. However, we have to go to church. Not for the next three hours. Takes you about three hours to get ready, darling. <gasps> George, I've got it. Listen to this. Instead of us help going to church, how about we, by we, I mean you, help the neighbours move in? Just think, what have we been learning in church? Belonging. So we, by we, I mean you, can help the neighbours move in, help them belong in, into the neighbourhood. Also, we can go to church and tell everybody what good neighbours we are. Another fantastic idea, darling. Um, I think we should pray about it first. Pray? Why? Yes, it's always wise to seek the Lord before you take any kind of action. I mean, we could go and help them. They could be axe murderers. Or while we're helping them to lift the wardrobe, the Lord could strike us for not seeking his face first. I just don't think it's wise to live that kind of walk. George, yes. George, it's not that serious. Okay. Just think, what would Jesus do? <gasps> George, do you know what? We'd be like good Samaritans. God loves stuff like that. Oh. Samaritans. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I get this now. Yes. yes. I feel it in my spirit. Yes. It's a good thing to help people. Yes. Because then we'll be like good Samaritans. I want to be a Samaritan. Okay, let's go and get dressed. Dressed for what? <sighs> George, really? First impressions? I can't let them see me like this. You definitely can't let them see you like that. Of course. Come on. <laughs> um, no, George, not that ugly shirt. The one that I brought you? Sorry. Thank you. Hang on, let me have... Oh. George, what are you like? Come here. Perfect, perfect. How do I look? Good. Uh, George, watch the fur. Watch the fur. Sorry. 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 Ready? Oh, my Bible. Don't want to miss the opportunity to get a few verses in. Okay, George, hurry, hurry, come on. Oh, one more thing. Since I'm going to be doing some heavy lifting, I want to make sure I'm being cautious. I don't want to pull anything. Oh, no, not that ugly belt. George, no, you're creasing the shirt. Sorry, sorry. First impressions. Onward, Christian soldiers. Okay, okay, come on, come on. Oh, they're finished. <laughs> Have you met the new neighbours yet? They're lovely. They're from Dudley, you know. <laughs> that Miss Potter? George! I can't believe it, you took too long. Oh, I don't know why I bother. Oh, uh, George, 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 get inside. The neighbours are watching. Close the door, you let the heat out. Oh, I just can't believe it. I wasted my whole day. <laughs> to come and minister to us about the Good Samaritan. I'm going to read the story of the Good Samaritan from Luke 10. 
Starts at 25 if you want to follow. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring it on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy to him. Then Jesus said, Go and do likewise. A few years ago, I, um, I was driving up to Huddersfield because I had an old family friend in Huddersfield. And I was, the, the deal was I was going to go, um, go through her church service and afterwards I'll drive her back to our hometown for Christmas. And it had been snowing because it was December. Um, and as I was driving up there, the roads were quite slippery. It wasn't great to drive in, but it was doable. But as I got further north, it got worse and worse. And when I got on the outskirts of Huddersfield, I saw up ahead on the road, um, a car was stuck in the snow wedged against the curb, and there was this old lady trying to like dig her poor little car out. And as I was driving up, I am still ashamed to this day what went through my head. I said, I can't stop and help her. I'll be late for church. A few, last year, I started a part-time theology degree at Regents, and I go up, uh, go down actually to Malvern one Friday in about a month. And as usual, one Friday, I set up a bit late, and I got stuck in traffic. You know how that is when you're late. Um, and when I got to the end of the traffic, I realized what had caused it. Uh, someone's car had broken down. And this poor guy was trying to push it off the road to stop blocking the traffic. But people kept driving past and it was hard for him. Guess what went through my head? I can't stop. I'll be late for my module in ministry and worship. God caught me on that one. I turned around and went back and helped. But every time I read this same parable about the Good Samaritan, I am shocked. Why did the priests and the Levite not stop and help the Jew who had been attacked? These are guys who served in the temple. These are guys who met with God. Maybe for the same reason, I didn't stop and help the old lady stuck in the snow. Maybe for the same reason, you guys don't stop and help your neighbors. Don't love your neighbors. Don't love your friends, your colleagues, strangers, when they most need it. What is that reason? Take your pick, you know. It could be I'm busy. Or maybe if you're really holy, I'm busy with the Lord's work. Maybe it's I spend all my time helping people. I just need a bit of time to myself. They're dirty. I don't want to get messy. Fill in the blank with the reason you've given it. We've all done, we've all been there. We've all made an excuse. The truth is, if we're looking for an excuse, we'll find one. But if we're looking for an opportunity, we'll find one. Like the Levite and priest, you may know it all. Your faith may be something you've spent years in. 
It could be in your blood, in your family heritage. But if the world does not see it, if it doesn't change how you live, it is useless. James 2, 14 to 17 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but there's nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I'm going to make a bold claim. The Oxford Dictionary is wrong. I looked up love in the dictionary and it said it is a noun. But I think love can only be a verb. Love does. You cannot truly love something and it not know. Love demands action. You cannot just love someone by just telling them. If you truly love them, you'll show in everything you do, think, and say. So what does what you stand for show in how you live? How can the Levite and priest go back with their daily lives and think that they were living good lives after passing by this wounded Jew? How can we go into our lives without love, having worshipped how we did here this Sunday? If we believe what we sang, the world should see. If not, then we're just kidding ourselves. If not, if we go into our lives without love, then we're just lukewarm and ready to be spat out because we're not hot or cold. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, but mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is what we read. That's the Bible that we read and we follow. Do we follow that when we leave on the Sunday morning? Make your call and live it. Get off the fence and love. If we're looking for an excuse not to love, we will find it. But if we're looking for an opportunity to love, we will find it. So how do we do this? We change the question. The Levi and priest looked at the man and said, what would helping him do for me? The reason we pass up on excuses to love, the reason we make excuses, because we say, what would helping them, what would doing that for them do for me? We need to change our question to, What will not helping that person do for them? What will not helping that person do for them? We live in a me society. Instead of thy kingdom come, it's my kingdom come. We live to get more followers. We choose what we do, what we wear, what we say to get more likes, more retweets. But that is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is how can I make you go further? How can I build you up? How can I support you in what you do? How can I help you pursue your dream? 
The kingdom of God is outward. The kingdom of this world is inward. Take this on board this morning, BCC. Church is not about me coming to church to see what I can get. Church is not about you coming to say you've been to church to feel good in the worship, to take a photo of yourself and your Sunday best and put a Bible verse underneath. That is not church. We are church. Church is about us coming and being church together. Church is about us coming and loving one another. Church is meeting together and being the body. Church is not the pastor. We don't come to church. We are church. We come so that others can belong. But But you say, if I don't take care of myself, who will? If I live for others, who will live for me? How will I eat, sleep, drink? You'll find God's answer in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, because that's outward. The kingdom of this world is inward. So why not get involved? Why not belong? Perhaps you're worried what will happen to you, and not worried what will happen to someone else. Perhaps you need to take your focus off yourself and onto Jesus. Or perhaps you need to change your my kingdom come to thy kingdom come. Great, George. And in putting our services together, obviously you know that we talk, but we hadn't colluded. We, we knew we'd just split this up into three things, but we hadn't colluded on what people would say. And this morning the Holy Spirit is here because here's a Holy Spirit moment. George said we need to change the question. Do you remember when he said that? From what would this uh, do for Uh, me, instead of what it would do for me, what would it do for them? We need to change the question. And look, on my notes, in that first line I've put, I want to change the question of the Good Samaritan. Instead of asking, who is my neighbor? Now, listen, I'm not changing the Bible. Okay, I just want to change the question. Instead of asking, who is my neighbor? I just want to cut to the chase that Jesus said, everyone's your neighbor. The person who is before you and in front of you now, they are your neighbor. That is your neighbor. So who are you next to? Right now, they are your neighbor. Who are you living next to? They don't just share an address. They share a dwelling and a place where the kingdom of God can come. So I want to change the question to, not, uh, not to, not f- excuse me, from who is my neighbor, but to how can I be a good neighbor? Do you remember the promise in the Old Testament? Everywhere you place your feet, I will give that to you, says the Lord. I will give you everywhere you, where you place your foot. Do you remember that, that the Lord said that to the children of Israel? And could you imagine if that promise came true for every single person in this room right now? That wherever you lived, in whatever street you live in, that God began to bring his kingdom. That his presence started to break out. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Can I hear an amen, church? Wouldn't that be just great? Now, I know that some of you live in challenging places and maybe with difficult neighbors, but what would it be like if that promise came true for us today? If we were the neighbors that Jesus calls us to be, how much change would there be? 
I want to say, wow, what would happen? You know, this week I went out uh, for a long walk. It was one of those uh, days when and moments when I felt like I had to catch up with myself. Have you ever had those moments where you feel like you just need a bit of time to catch up with yourself? And I'd planned, I planned the walk on Thursday, by the way, but Storm Doris changed my plans. I, I didn't go on Thursday. And so I thought, I'm going for this long walk along the canal. I walked from Kidderminster to Stourbridge along the canal. And um, uh, because it's flat on the canal, and when you've got a dodgy knee, I thought, well, I, that, I can make that. But I chose the shoes that I wore for fashion, not function. The shoes I chose matched my outfit, not the mission. Because by the time I got to Stourbridge, I was ready to get those dogs off, I was telling you. You know... You've been chosen for a function in your street. You've been chosen for a mission in your street. You don't just live in your street and you just live next to people. You're there for spiritual reasons. You're there for God's kingdom functions. In fact, many of you, you like, and you're good to me. Many of you call me Pastor Mark. Some people never call me Mark. They only call me Pastor. And that's so kind of you to give me that honor and that respect. And I've noticed how you speak to some of our leaders. And you're such a good church that way. And thank you for giving us that accord. But you know, I want to say to you, you're the pastor of your street. You're the shepherd of your space. You're the priest of your workplace. And so I want to call you Pastor Kathy or Pastor Jane or, or Pastor Victor and Pastor Gloria, Pastor Natalie, Pastor Ivan, Pastor Dave. I really do want to say you're the pastor of your street. Hey, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, hello, pastor. Because you're the pastor of your street. I know you don't have civic authority in your street and you can't set the laws and all the rest of it. But you have two, you have two really important functions in your street. Number one, you're there to give shepherd care and take responsibility pastorally for your street. You're there for them. And the second is you're there for spiritual authority and bring more of the kingdom of God and to make the rule and reign of Jesus and the presence of Jesus real in your living space. That's why you're there. Let me, take, let me just take number one, your shepherd care and responsibility. As pastor of your street, why don't you get to know your neighbor's names? Oh, you know what? My next door neighbor, he came to church on Christmas Day. I've been calling him the wrong name for about eight years, but he thinks it's kind of funny. You know, he's, I keep getting the difference between Rashid and Shahid, and I don't know which one it is even as I stand here. I think it's Rashid. Is it Rashid? Yeah, and I keep calling Rashid Shahid, but he thinks it's kind of funny. At least I think he thinks it's funny. But I have a try of trying to learn my neighbor's name. Now opposite me is Andy and his wife Heather. And they are pastors in another church. And we just love the fact that what they are doing. And you know, 
We, we just, we've got a, a lady next door, Syrah, next to us. And, and she's, she's just a great neighbor to us. She keeps bringing us food. How about that? I wonder if you could get to know your neighbor's names just as a, a way of building a relationship with them. Be a good neighbor that, that looks out for people. I, you know, here's a, something that we have noticed. If you keep the front of your house nice, it's inviting for people. And, and when we do prayer walking, and I'll come to this in a moment, often you can say, uh, you can, the Lord can, can tell you things about the front of someone's house. Maybe it's time to pause and pray. Pick up litter. We've got a brilliant uh, uh, residence association. But sometimes when they're not doing their official thing, I'll do my unofficial uh, picking up litter. And little acts of community. Shoveling snow for, for your neighbors. Uh, by the way, this isn't a prophecy. This is just because I'm English. Snow will come. It will snow this year at some point in Birmingham. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I know you think you've got rid of it, but it will come, even though March is coming. So if you shovel snow for your neighbours, then, you know, just little acts of community cause great kingdom effects. It's amazing what a little thing does, an amazing effect. God seems to take the little things you do and multiply them and multiply them. You have got... Uh, probably some neighbours who you might have had a dispute with. Why don't you show them that Christians forgive? Why don't you show them that Christians are the people who move on? I know that some of you live in difficult areas. You might have neighbours that aren't kind, but you can be a godly person who draws boundaries and you can show fairness and good sense around your neighbourhood. But the person that's a good neighbor and a pastor is the one who perhaps calls in on the elderly person in your street. Is the one who calls in on when somebody's unwell. You can pastor your street. You are the pastor of your street. God placed you there to bring his shepherd care. Now, I'm not saying be a busybody and, you know, help people across the road and they didn't really want to cross the road. I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying meddle. I'm not saying to say, oh, you better get those windows cleaned. Don't do it, none of that. But as you, from your heart, sense opportunities, God has asked you to pastor your street. You are the pastor of your street. The second thing that you have as your responsibility is to bring spiritual authority. You are there with God's authority to bring the kingdom of God in your street or in your block of flats or in your school, in your university, actually, in your workplace. But as God's disciple and servant, you bring his kingdom wherever you are. Jesus said, my little flock, I confer on you a kingdom. I've given that to you. So I want to ask you, why don't you regularly prayer walk your street? Just in whatever rhythm you can fit it in, 
If you pray on your street, you can pray blessing on your street. You can pray, pray, thy kingdom come here, Lord. And as you prayer walk your street, you can take authority over ungodly things, maybe. And wouldn't this be a great experience as you're prayer walking your street? What if God just stopped you at the front of a a house or an establishment there? And you sensed something needed praying for or even against. And that you took authority over that and then things changed. When you drive out the car park today, five years, six years ago, sorry, seven years ago, when you drive out the car park today, seven years ago on the day of Pentecost, we prayer walked this area. Do you remember that, Themi? And you prayed over the NIA. Well, as you drive out of the car park today, as you go through the barrier, and if you turn left and then right, there's a cream building halfway uh, in that street. And that used to be one of Europe's largest porn supermarkets. And several of us placed our hands on that building. Now, I'm not saying that you go to your neighbor's house and place your hands on it, okay? But we laid our hands on that building, and now... It's not a porn supermarket. It's a different establishment. Because we took authority and prayed over this area. Can I ask you, when was the last time you prayer walked your street? Now for some of you that might be this morning. For some of you that might have been quite recently. But could I challenge you And lovingly ask you to be the priest of your street. To play blessing over it. To pray, to take authority over ungodly things. If it's appropriate to let people know that you are are praying for them. And as you bring the kingdom and as you create a way. Why don't you leaflet your street sometimes with the things that are going on at BCC? Invite people and post things through their door from your church. And you might live in a place and say, oh, they'll never come here. You do. Why wouldn't they? Leaflet your dorm, even down in Malvern, Ashley. Leaflet your street with the things that are going on at BCC. Prayer walk your street, Easter, Christmas time. The things that are important. You can bring the kingdom to your street. So take pastoral responsibility over your street. And take authority over your street. Because Joshua had a repeated promise. In Joshua 1 verse 3 it says, Everywhere you place your foot... That will be your possession. I wonder if we could have the faith today to believe that everywhere where we are, we can bring the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask Natalie and the worship team to come. And I wonder if you could stand with me because I want to just talk to you and finish today by telling you just a little story about a man named Joshua. If you'd stand with me because I want you to kind of sense the weight of yourself on your own feet. Because everywhere you place your feet, God wants to grant you his healing and his help and bring his kingdom. Do you remember Joshua? He had been a fighter 
before Moses. I was talking to somebody this week and we were talking about a leader and we were saying that maybe he needs just some people around him who will help fight for him. And, and, and Moses had Joshua who did his fighting for him and Aaron who did his fighting with him. And remember when Aaron and Ur lifted up Moses' arms, that when, when they lifted up Moses' arms in prayer, that, that Joshua won and he won the battle. I wonder who's praying for you. I wonder who you're praying for. But Joshua was was this man who was the fighter. And and as he went on with Moses, you see, he'd heard the promise to Moses in Deuteronomy 34 verse 11, where it says, Everywhere you go, Moses, and place your feet as Israel, I will give you that as your possession. And then Moses dies, and in the first chapter of Joshua, God repeats that promise to Joshua again. Now, Joshua had been the fighter for him. In fact, Joshua had been one of the spies, hadn't he? And he went into the land and and said, we can do this. We can do this. Surely, we will take this. And then God says the promise again, and, and Joshua receives it and says, Wow, it's the same for me as it is for Moses. And then what happens is Joshua comes to the River Jordan and and it's a slightly different, but it's basically the same. The the River Jordan parts and they walk through onto dry land and Joshua's going, it's the same for me. It's going to work for me. Everywhere where I place my feet, God's going to make this possession for me. Oh, God's the same yesterday today and forever and it's going to be the same for you it's the same for you everywhere God reigns where doesn't God reign everywhere God is king he's going to bring his kingdom with his kingdom people wherever they may be and then a strange thing happens Joshua has got his first battle for, for Jericho. But a strange thing happens just before Jericho. The Lord says, I want everybody who's come out of Egypt to be circumcised. That's my sign of belonging. And, and that's my sign that they are my people. And I, and I just want them all to be circumcised. And before we talk about taking our streets for God and taking the kingdom. You know, all advance in the kingdom comes from a place of consecration and knowing who's in charge and who owns you. And so all the people are circumcised. And I want to say to you today, perhaps you need to understand that you belong to God. Maybe you live in foreboding flats. Maybe you live in a street that's not the nicest Maybe you live in an ordinary street. But what I want to say to you is, before you belong to your neighborhood, remember you belong to the Lord. And He loves you so much. And He cares about your heart. Now just feel the weight on your feet. Just just write that. Just do, do that. Just kind of say, hey, Lord, these are my feet. You see, because I'm going to commission you in a moment that everywhere you place your feet, you're going to bring God's kingdom. But you see, someone else happens. Something else happens to Joshua. A captain of the army comes, and it's the captain of the Lord of hosts. And some people teach that, and and it is true that that's an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. 
before Jesus came as a baby. And the captain of the army of the Lord comes and Joshua goes up to him and says, are you on our side? And the captain of the Lord's army just says, I have just come. Take off your shoes. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. You see, and what it is, is God's trying to get through to Joshua is it's not about whether you're a powerful personality or not. It's whether or not I'm on your side. The question isn't, are you on our side? The question is, are you on my side? You see, any advance, and Joshua is about to conquer the land, any advance comes from a place of consecration. A place of saying, I'll go, Lord, only if you go before me. I'll go, Lord, only if you go with me. I'll only go where you tell me to go. And I want to tell you today, wherever you live, God sent you there and that's holy ground. That's His ground. And He wants you to bring the kingdom there. So just take one step forwards, backwards or to the side and hear this in your spirit. Just do it right now. Just one step. Everywhere where you place your feet, I will give it to you. Everywhere where you place your feet, you will be God's servant. But you have to say, I am yours first. I am not aggressively going round my street saying, do this, do this, come to Jesus, do this, do this. I am walking in the presence of the Lord. And sometimes the Lord stops me and says, say hello to Syrah. Ask how her family's doing. And something of the kingdom of God comes in her life. Say hello to Rashid. Ask him how his boys are doing. Talk to him a little bit about church and place a little bit of a seed in his life. And everywhere I place my feet, the kingdom of God comes. So will you lift your hand with me and uh, join with me in this? You see, the question isn't, are you on my side, Lord? The question is, I am on your side, Lord. You are directing this. And where I'm standing is holy ground. And if you'll lift your hand with me right now and pray this with me. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Say this. In my street, Lord. So, Lord, we just want to dedicate all of our streets to you, our communities to you. And we want to say, help us to be the neighbors that everybody wishes they had. Help us to be the neighbor that you are calling us to be. One more time with me. Thy kingdom come. On earth as it is in heaven. In my street, Lord. Just place your hand on somebody's shoulder next to you. 
And I commission you to be the pastor in your street. Would you just pray over that in your, to the person next to you, just say, I commission you to be the pastor of your street. Whatever that means, your block of flats. Some of you may take this message and say, oh, have I got to, have I got to witness to everybody? You may not do that, but because of your prayer atmosphere, you've opened up people's hearts so that somebody else witnesses to them. Be the pastor of your street. We're going to sing a song, Who Can Stop the Lord Almighty? And I'm always tempted to shout out no one in the chorus. And you can do that if you like. But we're going to sing that together. But as we do, you know, you might have had a prayer need today. And you might have a prayer need. You might have a burden. And I just want to say, if you have something, anything, it might not be even relating to what we've been saying. You might have trouble in your street or trouble in your home or around your home. Certainly we want to pray for that. But if you have anything that you need prayer for, we want to pray for you. And we want to help you. So we're going to sing this song together. And then I'm going to come back up and I'm just going to ask you if there's any prayer needs at all. Just come and we want to pray with you. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it it is in heaven in all of our streets let's sing this together shall we